from episode 418 of the Doctor of the Day, and welcome to the podcast. My name is David, and I'm here with Hello. Today we're going to talk about episode 3 of Megalos. That's a lot easier to make a sound threatening than to laser high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a reprise of our previous ending, um, and as we get to the moment where the um, barbarian guard second in command says kill her um, Gregor comes up behind her and catches her and says ask you know where are you from who are you and she so she gets a chance to explain and she says that oh she her ship landed by mistake and um I can show you where it is if I can find it. So he agrees, thinking that he can steal from her ship, probably, or steal her ship. So, Karis and Alexa um, relate to uh, Zaster and Diedrich, the other savant, um, what they saw uh, outside of the dodecahedron chamber. Um, and they are looking around and he says, well, he says he can't figure out how an object like the dodecahedron could be moved. And she says, well, an object like what? All we know about it is a bunch of theories. Um, you know, that she's there. I think because they're not able to examine it because the other faction sees it as a religious object and they have some control over it. So... He can say that it, it powers this and that, and it's such a thing that um, they can't prove anything. So they, all they have are theories on how this works. Um, there's a voiceover in their control. They're called to the control because the uh, the power is at dangerous levels. Uh, so Romana heads out into the jungle to find the TARDIS. Um, She's leading them around and around, and they end up back um, close to their own ship. And she says, well, it's because the planet spins counterclockwise. That's why. If we would have gone the other way, then we wouldn't have arrived at the same point. And they believe her and say they'll give her another chance. Um, Back at the control center, um, they are shutting down the non-essential areas of their city. The doctor protests his innocence and he says, you know, he, he wasn't there. He just was, he just gotten there. How could he have done this? Um, Diedrich says that in two hours their city will be shut down, will be dead. Um, doctor says, two hours? Well, two hours ago, I was not here. I was, he was trying to work it out in his head. and I was in this chronic loop. Again, Romana's tricking the barbarians, um, wandering through the jungle. Megalos emerges from the shadows, and uh, he's in a very bad way. His spines are showing. Um... And then he tries to move forward, and the 
the human that he's taken over is fighting him and almost separates himself from the being of Megos. So we see the, the human being stretched out to one side and then Megos as doctor and the other with his spiny face. But he gets it back under control and he steps back into the shadows. The doctor tells, has told them of Amana, and uh, so well, the girl proves nothing. Well, the girl proves that well, she wasn't there before, and he was there with, to get the death, their death again. And he tries to tell him that, well, I was stuck on this time loop. It's possible that there's a there was a projection of me that came that was sent here, and he says, but. A third option is this is probably just a good old-fashioned doppelganger. The uh, savant, there's a savant who's adjusting the power. I think it's Karis, and uh, power levels, and Megos comes out and accosts uh, her and leads her away into where he was hiding. The uh, Diedrichs says they may have to evacuate soon. Vastro talking to the doctor says that he wants to believe them, but there's just, he has to believe his eyes too. And um, this time he decides that the, the only way to prove it is for the, the doctor, he to go with the doctor to the power room this time. Uh, Lexi stays behind and says to herself, no, there is another way. So, um, Megros reveals who he is to Karis and is trying to sway her to, into helping him. He says he is the Megros, the last survivor of the Ulrith and Thora, Zolathura, sorry. Couldn't think of that either. Yeah, I had to look back where I wrote it down a couple pages ago. Um, of Zolthathura, and she's um, very awed by this fact. And he's he opens um, he opens his hand and says and shows her something in his palm, but we don't see it. Um, Lexa goes to her group of followers and um, says. Um, is beginning and um, but wait here. Lumana um, is heading their group into farther and farther into the jungle. Diedrich and Vassar and the Doctor um, are going to the power room and they encounter Dion's along the way and see them assembled. Um, Luxa then goes and gathers her followers and brings them to the power room. The doctor um, is looking at the slab where the dodecahedron was and he reckons that how it would be far too heavy for many, many of, the, of the, their own people to move it. It was um, a huge device and large, um, just a heavy mass of it, um, and, uh, 
So Alexa comes in with her followers and says that they are taking over. And that they believe that the dodecahedron was taken back by their gods. And unbelievers like Zastor are to be banished to the surface with the wild plants. Um, they take him off and Derek's, Diedrichs goes with them and says, Oh, well, he's, he won't survive out there. He's an, he's an elderly man and goes off to try to help. She tells the doctor that he is going to be bringing back the dodecahedron, but he's, he looks confused. Well, but how? I didn't steal it in the first place. He says, no, not by returning it, but by sacrifice. And he says, well, something about the plants being really that um, virulent, that violent uh, on the surface, and she affirms that, and so he starts to wonder about mama up on the surface. Alexa makes the announcement that the, the city will be sealed, all the exits will be sealed. Romana has led the, uh, the barbarian group into the area of the um, forest of the jungle where she was attacked by the creeper and the, the red flower barrels. Um, and so they're being attacked by the plants and she finds, that, finds the canine and snatches him up and gets closer to the, the doors to the building and gets inside one of them. Um, the others break free from the creeper and follow her and are starting to blast the outside of the door. Karis is, um, uh, Megos is telling her to show her a way out and she's having to go with him um, as they're crossing a, like a sky bridge. The, the human is trying to break free again and fighting him and is um, trying to push Megos and himself over the railing because he says that even death would be worse than the fate that he has now. But he, um, and in this moment of weakness as he's struggling with himself, essentially, she draws a weapon on Megos and says, you know, you'll need to come with me when he regains himself. So the, um, the city guards have come because of the attack on the outer doors um, and they open the other panel and Ramana manages to get inside and the guards start firing upon Grutter's men. Uh, she sees the doctor being led off under a threat of weapon by Karis and she sneaks up behind and knocks out Karis. But then the doctor doesn't recognize or respond to her. He goes off to with Grutter's men. And um, Karis comes back and collects Romana and says, tells her that that wasn't the doctor. Megos uh, goes outside with Grutter's men and shows them that in his palm he has a mini dodecahedron. And um, this great power source shall be boon to all of them and they go back to Grutter's ship and go to take off the Alexa and her people are, are have prepared the ceremony of the sacrifice Romana says to Karis well where is the doctor um, if that wasn't him she says are you sure he's here and she says yes I'm sure he's here 
in the room of sacrifice. They, her followers are uh, walking around and slowly catching fire and burning the suspension ropes that are holding a huge rock slab above where the doctor's been um, been pinned to the dodecahedron slab. Uh, he watches this as the one after the other is is burned and breaks, and we get to the last one, and then the end. Kind of a goofy end, but we'll get yeah. to that. And they say it's another short episode, but I'm, I guess I just found a, enough to write down that seemed like, I thought this was supposed to be short. Well, it's short in that the, the actual script, not counting the recap, mm-hmm. was shorter than usual. Oh. That's why we got such a long recap. And why we again get so much meandering through the forest. It's padding. Yes. Because they had to fill in to bring the script up to length. So, what did you think of her um, explanation for moving them around in circle to their ship? It's ridiculous. I know that they're. It, it serves the it's purpose of showing again, because stupid. this isn't the first time they've shown it, how stupid they are. Yeah. But. Honestly, do we need an explanation? Do we need her to be leading them around? Surely there's something more interesting that they can show or do. Yeah. I guess either she leads them around or she runs from them and gets trapped again and runs from them and gets trapped again. Yeah. Like we ended in the last one. I don't know. There was not a good thing for her to be doing. I guess not. I don't know. Might as well have just had her be stuck in the yeah. TARDIS with K9. He's no help. He's just off in the bushes all with his power wound down. Another stupid uh, plot point. Yeah. Um, but yeah. was it Grugger got his revenge on K9? Why? I missed it. Well, when he runs into canine inside the building or the base or the cave okay. or whatever you want to call it, um, he picks up the unpowered, or mostly unpowered, canine carcass, drops it, and then kicks it. Oh. <laughs> I Supposedly that was part of his contract that oh. he got to kick canine, but I don't know whether that's true or not. Oh. Let's. <laughs> That's interesting to know. I, I didn't see that part in there. The shooting back and forth and whatever was going on there. Um, it's kind of funny though. Uh, they said that the co-creator of K9 character was unhappy because he felt like they were spoofing the robot dogs. Like, come on, it's a robot dog. What did you expect to happen? Really? Yeah. Had to do not foresee that. I mean, it's these overused robot dogs. That's gonna happen. Yep. Um, it was fine enough in the episode he started in. 
Um, yeah, he was even kind of interesting there. Yeah, and then the first couple, I think, with Leva, I think it was, it was fun that she had a pet, kind of, you know. At least that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably should have just stayed gone when Leela left. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Would have been a good point for him to have finally left. Yeah, to just... A to good stopping point for yes. the character. To be gone at that point, I think, would have been good. Um, let's see. What else was there to talk about? Oh, there was... Was we talked about a bit of humor, and we did get a little glimmer of it when the, they. I finally catch, caught his name, Diedrichs, was the, mm. the, the head savant there, um, and Zastor uh, are taking the doctor to the power room, and as they're leaving, the doctor says, "Many hands may make the light work." <laughs> well, oh well. Well, many hands make the lights work. Um, yeah. Uh, that was really cute. And you could have missed it, you know. Yeah. That, those are the best ones, really. The ones that, even if you don't hear it the first time, when you watch it again, right. you catch it. And it's like, oh, it makes you laugh. Or it makes you laugh again when you hear it the second time, yeah. you know. It was, those are the nicest ones that, that we find. It's a gem in the story. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was it, though. But that was pretty yeah. good. <laughs> they really reined him in. Mm. Probably for the best. I've said that before, though. Yeah. Um, and then they tried to fill it with Romano being silly and saying that, tricking them and saying, pointing out that, oh, well, it spins in counterclockwise axis of the planet. And doing those almost slapstick kind of things. Mm hmm. Uh, which to me doesn't make up for it too much. But otherwise, our story is, you know, the, like the doctor says, the classic or a good old fashioned doppelganger. Well, not really old fashioned as it turns out, but it is the case of a doppelganger. And, um,. Poor old Zastor gets uh, caught in the scientific to political struggle and Lex is taken over and is sending him off to the surface to these terrible plants, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's too bad for him. Um, it's a, a normal story where the, the religious zealots take over and of course now there has to be sacrifice and the doctor being in the wrong well the wrong incarnation at the right at the right time I guess um, is, is you know first suspected of being the bad guy so of course it's got to be him so that's where we he finds himself. Yeah. Not much of a change for him. <laughs> and um, I don't think I have a whole lot else. Do you? We had an instance or two of 
add production values. Mm. Uh, there's one scene where the mic falls it clearly into the shot. Oh. Pretty obvious. Some Usually you see just a little tiny sliver of the mic. Uh-huh. And you really only notice it because it moves out of the way. Right. You know, you it's the, the movement, movement that catches your eye. Yeah, not yeah. the item. This was the mic. <laughs> and it hangs there for a while before it then moves. And you see the cameraman realize the mic's in the shot, so he quickly tries to adjust it out of the shot. That's always good. Yeah, that never helps. Yeah, boy. That's, that's old production values. That's the... The laser shots were a little tacky, tacked on feeling to mm, yeah. very uh, fifth grader, <laughs> fifth grade art. If fifth graders did Star Wars. And we did. Yeah. <laughs> or I should say, when fifth graders did Star Wars. Yep. Did lightsabers. That's, that's what it, That's what it sort of looked like. Yeah. It'd be a little blaster fire. I remember it was like that in, uh, I think it was the art in space. Mm. When they first had like the little ray guns, had like a turquoise uh, ray that would fire and then like a splat almost that kind of was popped up on the screen. Yeah, this was worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was much more obviously a little star pattern oh. that they had drawn and filled in. Oh, okay. That's... Sort of thing. Yeah. Like a. Microsoft wingding mm. sort of thing now, but insert auto shape exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's that's what, probably more like what it is. <laughs> they use their video editor to insert an auto shape. <laughs> um, what do you think of the the CSO? Um, couple time images they showed oh, the those split. the, the splits yeah actually I thought that was okay I'm just not entirely clear what it was supposed to represent yeah was I, it a split in their mind or was it a physical split I I wonder if it was somewhat both you know I think that the the human the humanoids trying to break free from the physical grip that he has and mm-hmm. the mental grip he has on him um, by trying to separate himself out by showing it physically I think but it might have been meant to be both because yeah. his voice changes uh, Megalos' voice changes back to the more gravelly um, mm. synthesized type version right while that, while that was going on yeah. while that was going on yeah while the human was talking on his own um <clears throat> I'm not sure it needed to happen twice. It was probably more effective the second time when yeah. he was trying to like throw Megalos off the over the edge because he said he'd prefer death to. He's well, that'll kill you too. It's like, well, I prefer that to this fate that you've imposed on me and having to you know, be stuck with you like this. Um, that was more effective than just the kind of a image we saw without any dialogue or any inter- interaction between the two parts of Megalos there. Um, 
But it was all right that it happened previously. The, the second time was better, and I think it looked fine. Um, it was a nice effect, actually. Um, there was just a little more explanation with the second time, so I think it had a better effect to the story. But it was yeah, and I would probably agree with that. Cliffhanger? Uh, yeah. Um, it was kind of weird, like you said. Uh, I think it's weird because the doctor watches in kind of almost amusement as they're mm-hmm. burning the other two ropes and then they get to the third one. That's sort of my problem with the scene is that the doctor is very lackadaisical. Yeah, and then he's kind of worried. But, yeah. He was like he didn't really think they were going to burn any of the ropes. But then when they burned all but one of them, oh, they're, they're serious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now they're serious. Okay. Really? Well, and then it seems odd to me that, okay, the way it, maybe I'm missing something in the way that this big slab is suspended, but you'd think that burning just one rope and then another rope, it would shift it somewhat? Well, in my, well, not necessarily. It depends on how it's roped up, but. It's hard to tell, I guess. My problem is. So they've burned through two of the ropes. Mm. There's one left. And that one is enough to support it. So why did they need the other two ropes? Yeah. I guess that's what I meant. For effect, apparently. I would expect to see it not be quite so level hanging there. Well, and I'm not even talking about that. One rope is sufficient to hold it. So what were the other two ropes there for? If one is enough... Three is overkill. Yeah. So the other two were obviously there to be burned for effect. And quote unquote safety, I suppose. Steady it. Yeah, maybe. I guess. Maybe. Yeah, it's more more just drawn out effect. Yes. But the effect we see that the doctor has is just kind of odd. It may have been just better to have them start burning the one and have the, oh no, look, you know, and end right there. Mm-hmm. More effective in the bemused look he kind of has while they burn two of them. It's really padding um, in a really bad area to do it, you know, because it's cliffhanger. You don't want to have padding. For the ending of the show. Right. You know? So. Hey. It's the same thing. We're not concerned that the doctor's going to die by this. It's not. No, it, but it is kind of amusing the thought that he might get squashed like pancake between <laughs> two stones. <laughs> that, let's be honest, look like toasted bread. Oh, yeah. They didn't do a, a. They did a pretty good job of making it look like stone, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shaped like bread, yeah. but it it seems to have a bit of a weight to it. It's not moving too much like a piece of styrofoam wood that was a, suspended above there, or a little bit, but yeah. wasn't as unbelievable as a, a stone slab. As it could be. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't too bad. No. 
and there's no uh, if we have a real clear solution if we think about it of how we're going to get out of it Before the two come together. Yeah. Maybe the savants will attack the Daeons. Could be. Maybe Diedrichs will bring some forces and they'll overpower and grab the doctor. Or somebody can just yank that torch out of the guy's hand so he can't burn the rope anymore. Maybe it'll be Luana. Could be. <clears throat> so, I guess that's it then. All right. Well, join us tomorrow when we figure out what happens when we talk about the fourth episode of Megalos. Join us then, and thank you for listening.